Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. It's warm, isn't it? Anybody too warm? No? Everybody, anybody enjoy the heat? Yeah, enjoy the sun? No, yes, no. There's a mixture of people. Yeah, some love the heat. Uh, sometimes it gets too much. Ah, just bring back the coolness again. We're struggling and we're sweating buckets. But yeah, it's warm today. I brought my water up just so um, I've got something to keep me, uh, keep me hydrated so I don't sweat too much. You don't want to see any perspiration coming through my t-shirt and stuff. Great to be going on with this series, All Joy. Have you been following it so far? Yeah, you would have seen that we've been through a couple of um, couple of subjects already. Joy in adverse circumstances. Phil kicked that off here. And then Christian went into joy in humility. If you haven't heard those, we'd encourage you to go back and pick those up off the website. Uh, take, the, take the podcast down and listen to them. Very encouraging. Great to listen to those things. And then our, our, our root verse, our root verse for this subject, all joy, is Philippians 4, verse 4. We should all know that one off by heart. It's a very familiar passage in, in any sort of church circumstance. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Exactly. It reminds me of a chorus. I don't know whether you sung that when you were a kid. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Maybe you don't know that one. We used to sing that as kids in Sunday school. It went into a little bit of a, a round robin with everybody. Rejoice, rejoice. Anyways, that's what the thing that goes to my mind as soon as I hear that, ver- uh, that voice, uh, verse even. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. One thing we need to pick up on just before we, we start into this is that there is a difference between happiness and joy. We talk about joy, don't we? That's what this subject is about. But there's happiness too. Happiness. Who can remember a happy occasion in their life? You know, you can always go back to um, a, position, a situation in your life that you reflect on to think, yeah, I remember that. I was happy then. It was a happy time. What about smells? Who gets smells that take you back to certain positions? Anybody get that? Is it just me? I can get a smell one day that will take me back to a country, a position, a time of age when I was, and I can just see it right there and then. There's a smell that takes you back to a happy situation. You remember these good times, the fun times and, and the laughter when we think about happiness. But happiness is a temporary thing, right? Happiness is something that happens and then passes away. It's only while we're in the moment of happiness. Yes, we can remember about it, but that feeling only lasts for a temporary moment. Nothing wrong with it, of course. It's good. It gets those endorphins going. We're encouraged to get the laughter and the joking and stuff. It gets those endorphins going. But then there's joy. This is a real joy. A joy that penetrates the depths of our heart, something that goes deeper. It's not just how you feel, it's more than emotion. You know, I can feel it. I can feel it. Not something that you can just switch on and off as you, as you choose. Today I'm going to be joyful. Today I was miserable, but today I'm going to be joyful. It's not like that. I remember when I was younger, we, uh, I was about six years old. Anybody who's six in the, who's here? Anybody six? Anybody, give me a hand. Oh yeah, I've got one six. I was your age when I went on my first camping trip, right? It was my first camping trip. We had moved to America 
uh, as a family straight out of Northern Ireland. So this was a new experience for us as kids. We hadn't seen all this big stuff that they've got in the States. And we all decided to go on a camping trip. There was two other families there who were from, uh, from the UK and we'd sort of buddied up with them. Aged range from about maybe 13 down to my brother who was four. And we all decided that we were gonna go on a camping trip. Now I don't know whether that's responsible from the parents' point of view, but we all went out with the tents and all the rest of it. And we, we hiked way out about 100 yards from the house. And we were on the, on, the, on the edge, I thought that was funny. They were on the edge of the woods, okay? We're on the edge of the woods. And then what you do when you go camping is you, you, you set up your tent and you do all the rest of it that goes with it and you pile in at nighttime. But then that's when all the, the scary stories start, right? People starting to, to tell little, you know, you know uh, I don't know, ghost stories, or whatever it is that you try and make. Who's going who's gonna to bottle it first and, and, and run for the door? Who's going to go first, you know? And they... One of the lads at that point, he was the eldest, it turned out, in the tent. I was at the back of the tent, really hot, because it was really clammy in there. I was starting to get a bit agitated. I don't know where you get agitated. You can't move, and it's hot, and you need to get out. But I was starting to get a little bit agitated at the back. And one lad says, shh. Did you hear that? And of course, I was like, what? We were all like, what? Did you hear what? I thought I heard a bear, okay? Now, we were in bear country. We had been told about this, so we were starting to think, is there a bear outside? And he says, shh, I heard it again. I didn't hear anything, but he heard something. And because I was right at the edge of the tent, I can't remember whether it was a scratch on the side of the tent or a, or a growl, I don't know, but I didn't need to think twice. I was up, I was out, I bolted through that door. I don't even know I took the zip down or burst through it, but I was halfway down the hill. In fact, I was probably about 20 yards from the house before I even considered where's my brother in all of this until he came bolting past me, hit the door. Mums being parents, you know, mums have this instinct about their kids. My mum probably was up all night watching out the window to make sure we're all okay, but she said she could hear us before she could see us. Do you know about that, mothers? Do you know you could hear your kids before you could see? We screamed the whole way down the hill. We lived in this uh, like apartment house. It was made of wood. These are all American houses built of wood. And they could hear us boom, 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 boom. And ah, boom, 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 all the way up. We woke up the whole house. Turned out it was a prank. Turned out it was a prank. He got us. But I didn't need to think that I was scared in that moment. Do you know what I mean? I didn't need to think, I'm choosing to be scared. Sim, are we scared right now? We need to go. But I didn't think about it. I just got up and I went. And that's like this joy thing. It's something that's built inside us, something that, that, that develops inside of us. But fear kicked in in that moment. And that's what joy does. That's what joy does. We're talking about something that can go deeper, can come be part of us, as we go deeper in him. Paul's experience uh, in his life with Jesus, he had seen things, he had saw things, he saw things happen, that, that this joy, he had seen Jesus work in amazing ways, that this joy had saturated his heart. There's a spiritual side of it that goes way deeper too. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. We, we maybe recognize what that, that term means, the fruit of the Spirit, and joy is part of that package. It's spiritually induced and it increases the more we allow the spirit to ferment in our hearts. And here Paul is in this letter to Philippians, rejoicing whilst locked up in a hopeless situation. Rejoicing. Who does that in jail? He can't help this feeling of joy coming out. 
It's seen of, of in a dungeon. It wasn't like the, yeah, I don't know, who remembers porridge? It wasn't like porridge or cell block gates and, the, and this, the conditions were well. It's like a dungeon probably underground. It probably smelt. It was probably stench. There was probably misery. It was cold. All those sort of scenarios, the chains clinking all the time. But he's rejoicing and he focuses on a name that he mentions 10 times. So there must be something we need to take note of here. So let's go to chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles with you. Um, we're going to go through a, a few uh, pointers that I've got here. But Philippians 3, verses 1, 2, 3, uh, it'll be on the screen if you haven't got your Bible with you. And it says this, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice, there it is again, in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Now, dogs being the lowest of the low, it's not a hit and any dog lovers here. It's just the lowest of the low. People who are out for themselves, maybe even preaching a message for the self-gain or whatever. And Paul's actually describing them as evildoers. They're mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who live, who serve God by his spirit. And then it says, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. I want to look at my first point here is that there's joy in the boast. There's joy in the boast. Who knows what it's like to boast? Do we all know what it's like to boast? Maybe it's you've boasted on a family member. Maybe uh, we've boasted on our kids. We, we're excited to tell you a story. Oh, he was so good. He was the best. Some of us are a little bit reserved. We're a bit more held back. We just don't want to say anything. We're just, you know, a little bit more shy. Even when we're encouraged, come on, tell us. We'd know, well, yeah, I was all right. I did okay. But some of us, some of us cannot help telling you how good we are. Mate, I scored three goals. Each one was top quality, top bins, naughty volley. Naughty, what does that even mean, naughty volley? Ben Bailey, Ben Bailey is very good at telling you how good he is at football. He loves to boast about it. He loves to boast about it. Maybe you've heard, not him, but maybe you've heard somebody around you do that. What about the, the ones who are like, Johnny's done it better than you, you know? <laughs> You're boasting out, I did this and this and this. Oh, you think that was good? Oh, you want to hear my story. This story will gazump your story. Oh, you think that's an injury? 57 staples down my leg, mate. That's an injury, pal. There's always somebody who wants to tell you that they've done more. Their boast is bigger. No problems in it, of course. There's no problems in it. But Paul here in verse 3, and I'm paraphrasing, is saying, For it is we who serve God by his Spirit and who boast in Christ Jesus. This is someone to boast about. He's in chains preaching, or if he's in chains for preaching boldly about Jesus, not a massive crime, but here he is in the clink. He could be asking about the whys. You know, why? God, I've served you faithfully. Why am I here again? This isn't his first time. Why? Lord, I've, I've been out doing your will. I've been doing what you wanted me to do. And here it is. You've, you've let me down. Why? The wise, we know about the wise, don't we? What about our own situations? I've given faithfully financially and I'm yet to see the blessing, God. Why? Why, Lord? I've brought my kids up faithfully and they decided to do their own, their own thing. They've gone their own direction. Why, God? Maybe we're guilty of looking at other people. You've judged them from being less spiritual than you, but they're getting the blessing. Hang on a minute. Why not me? Why not me? Paul isn't asking about the whys in this situation. He's remaining 
faithful to him. He's remaining faithful to God. And instead, Paul is continually encouraging us to rejoice in the Lord. He's getting letters written. Who knows what it's like to write a letter? Does anybody remember writing a letter? Not texting, that doesn't count. Writing a letter, it takes effort. It takes a little bit of thought. It takes a little bit of intent. You get out the pen and the paper and you, 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 you put down a few. I used to write letters to Helen when I was younger. I did, we all, I don't know, we were, we were 15 when we first met, so that's before texting and all the rest of it. I used to write letters. In fact, I got a little bit naughty at times because I used to write to her sister as well. Now, now it's not what you think like that. It's, we were friends, okay? But what I used to do was write to her sister and put Helen's letter inside her, her sister's letter because then Helen wasn't receiving the letter. Claire would do the old, the old gag. She goes, oh, by the way, there's a letter there from Tim. <laughs> a little bit naughty, but I liked it. It was all about writing letters. And here Paul is writing a letter. He's asking us not to be discouraged, but he's in encouraging us, fully boasting on Jesus despite of his circumstances. And it makes me think, I wonder how my boast in Jesus is going. How is your boast in Jesus going? Are we loud and proud? I don't mean to say we're being arrogant about it, but are we, are we bold in our opportunities to share Jesus? Are we courageous as the, the Bible says? Is our serving God in Spirit clear, joyful, singing, proclaiming his name. When I was younger, I played football for a Christian team, <laughs> who we we're all Christians, believe it or not. But we played in a secular league. Um, in fact, Dougie Pink, who is part of this church, was part of that team. And what we used to do was, well, when I first joined the team, I didn't realize this at the time, but we would, we would do the usual thing, routine, get kitted up, do all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then um, there would be a team talk, there would be a, a prayer, because we're Christians, it's a good thing to do that. And before we went out the door, we'd sing a song. Now that caught me off guard. It caught me off guard. I don't know whether you know this song, Majesty, Worship His Majesty. You know what I mean? Unto Jesus be glory, honor, and praise. And these guys were booming it out. In a change room, it echoes around. Everybody can hear it for miles, okay? And I remember thinking, oh, man. Oh, that's too loud. You can hear them saying Jesus. You can hear them saying things like that. What are the guys going to think? I've got street cred to think about there. I know, I know it's hard to believe. I did have a little bit of street cred to think, does anybody know me out there? Are they going to say, Tim, was that you guys singing in there? And you can imagine how it goes. And the song sort of lulls off into, flows from his throne onto his own, his anthem raised. And there's a little bit of a lull. And you think, okay, we've got by that. But then it goes up another ramp. It goes up another level. So exult, lift up on high the name of Jesus. But it's, it's louder. It's more reverberant around the rooms. There's nothing stopping anybody hearing what we're singing about and I remember thinking oh this is a little too much for me my boasting isn't very great here but looking back looking actually looking back there is a bit of a side note here there was something about me even though my my, my faith was there but maybe I wasn't wanting to be courageous there's something about being surrounded by Christians who love Jesus you might not be the most boastful person in the world. You might not be the one who wants to go out and preach the gospel right there and then. But there's something about surrounding yourself with Christians. 
with people who have want the best for you, who want, to, who want you to grow, who want to see you encouraged. There's something about that. So I encourage you to surround, it doesn't matter if you're a new Christian, you're an experienced Christian. Surround yourself with people who love Jesus. Yes, have other friends. <laughs> other friends is like, you know, you're sort of segregating them, but have other friends, absolutely. But make sure you've got a Christian contingent in your life. And to be fair, the more we sung that song, the more I sung it louder over the months. To be fair, we may have boasted about Jesus before the game, but as soon as we hit that pitch, there's no worse place in the world to lose your Christian testimony than on a football pitch. I tell you that, it was like scenes out of a prison. There were things going on that, even from our team, red cards, all sorts that went off over the years. It got crazy. So we might have given it the big, yo, Jesus, in the change room, on the pitch, completely different story. But it says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 31, it says, let they who boast, let they who boast, boast in the Lord. What is our boasting like? Paul talks about serving God in spirit, worshiping God in spirit. They can take different forms, of course. We know about our singing. We automatically go to the musical side, but there's our generosity, our giving, our time, our, our general conversations even with friends. Are we loud and proud about Jesus? There's joy in the boast. There is joy in the boast. Let's go to Philippians 3, verse, verses 4 to 9. It says this, it says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. This is Paul talking. Again, I have more. All right, boasty pants. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God in the basis of faith. My second point is, there is joy in the game. There's joy in the in the game. Imagine climbing the ladder at work. You've got up there, you're climbing it. Go with me here. I don't know if that's you or whether you've been there. You've, you've climbing the ladder at work. You're enjoying the perks. You're enjoying the pay rise. You're enjoying the bigger car, the potential of maybe getting a bigger house. Maybe even you can afford a house in the Bahamas. I don't know. A holiday home. Maybe that's too hot for you. I don't know. Paul's not saying that's where he was in terms of looking at a, a holiday house in what he's describing here. He's saying that he had status back in the day. He was a model Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day, which was a Jewish custom. And he also was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. Again, talk about boasting. And if you wanted to see an example of a Hebrew, he was your guy. And then he says his zeal, his energy was, to, was, was driven to, to persecuting the church, going out of his way to destroy the church. Basically, he's saying he depended on religion. That was where his righteousness was. His morality was based on the law. He depended on religion. Everything that wasn't anything to do with Jesus, he depended on the do's and the don'ts. All of this was seen to be gained to him at the time. He thought he was the man living 
in his own righteousness. But then there's a flip around in his story. His name was Saul in the beginning. He encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, turns his life completely around. Jesus gives him, God gives him a new mandate, commissions him for a new mission. He was given a new identity. Because a new identity comes, we sung it this morning, a new identity comes when you have a revelation of who Christ is. You are a saint, you're blessed, you're saved, you're reconciled, you are heard, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're victorious, and you are new. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 5 verse 17 that says this, says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You may think I don't qualify. My past holds too much pain. You might be walking through some decisions this morning you've made, thinking that is just too much for Jesus to handle. Well, Jesus has the authority to flip your story completely around. If you are in Christ, he can forgive all the dirt in your life. He can forgive all the sin in your life. What makes me clean? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's joy in this game. There's joy in this game to be loved and forgiven, to be victorious. Remember, it's not religion like Paul was talking about in his past. This is fully based on a relationship with Jesus. Going back to the making it scenario, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. If, you, if you're enjoying that side of life right now, bless you with that. But it could be all in vain because that, without Jesus in that mix, it's all worthless in the end. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 11 says, God wants us to what? pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith and love and endurance and gentleness over everything else. So there's nothing wrong with these riches, but Jesus needs to be in the mix of it all, in the center of it all. There is joy in the gain. And finally, just closing and quickly, let's just flip to Philippians 3, verse 17 to 20. It says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And what? We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is joy in a savior. There's joy in a savior. Paul is asking us to follow his example here in honoring God. It's so important. But being together, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We stay on track in this life. We stay in track with this life with Jesus when we, we hang out together, we meet together, going back to surrounding yourself with Christians. We want to build each other up. We want to grow together. We want to go together as a team, as a unit. It's all about rubbing against each other, that encouragement. encouragement. And Paul is keen to point this out through his, this chapter, that this life, this thing he's got going is all about Christ being at the center and he wants that for us too because he knows the goodness of it. To boast in Christ, make sacrifice for Christ. It's worth knowing Christ and there's gain in Christ. 
Then he says there's a savior in Christ. All this stuff we've talked about sounds great, sounds good. All the boasting in Jesus, you know, it sounds brilliant, this gain in Jesus. All that Paul writes in this letter all comes from because he has Jesus. His whole, his experience is coming out as he's writing it down. But then he talks about a savior. And this savior didn't, just didn't come to live a great life and, and serve and, and be, be brilliant and, and, and show us how to live and how to love and, and how to serve. His primary objective of this life, of his short life on earth, was that he would literally take all of the sin of the world onto himself. Whose sin? Your sin, my sin. The sins of the people you don't think deserve it. Your family's sin, your friend's sin. What about the people on the news? I hope he gets what is coming, coming to him. I hope he gets, he gets life. I hope he gets this and that. Even those people's sin, he took it all to the cross. Where he died this cruel, uh, cruel death for something that he didn't deserve. Living he loved me. The old hymn goes, he came because of his love for you and for me. You may think I don't deserve it. It's okay. I don't think I deserve it too. You might say to me, you don't know my backstory. I say to you that Jesus does and he says that's okay because I have the authority to flip that around. Because the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, there is no discrimination. There is no differentiation. In it, a new creation has come. The old is gone. That old hymn goes on to say, from living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. This is what it's all about. A risen Jesus, a risen Savior. And our hope, Our prayer for you in the life of this church is that you, if you haven't already, would step in to a life with him, that you would know this joy. Maybe you've been on that journey, you've made that decision, but you've walked away from it. You've decided it isn't for me, it's not working out. I was expecting this and that to happen. God doesn't promise us an easy ride, but you slipped away. And God's maybe tugging at you again just to to come back in, to step back into a life, forgiveness is an offer. Hope is an offer. A new life in Him is an offer. Like I said, it doesn't guarantee a great life. It doesn't guarantee perfection. There will be hurt in life. There will be things that happen. There will be situations that you you ask the whys in. Why, God, have you allowed this? There will be pain in the night, as the Bible says. But what joy comes in the morning. We're going to feel stuff naturally. We're going to feel it, but God says there will be joy that comes in the morning. This joy that fills us, the more the Spirit is allowed to penetrate our heart. Joy stems from knowing a risen Savior who brings hope that beats all hopes. A joy so deep and so real, despite the prisons we find ourselves in, maybe literally, maybe figuratively, despite those situations, we can still boast in a Jesus whose gains outweigh anything 
of this world. Let me pray for you. God, I just pray this morning, Father, Lord, that each person in this room, Lord, would experience the joy that you have to offer, Father. Lord, we want our boasting to be of you, God. We want to be able to be free and strong and courageous in all of this, Lord, that we will just uh, preach out your name, Lord. We would just give you the glory, Lord, not necessarily in everything we say, Lord, but how we live our lives, Father, because we recognize that there is joy to be had in the gain of having you in our lives. Father, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you, God, that we have this hope that passes all hope in you, Father. Lord, that your joy would fill us. Lord, in your name, amen. And try